So you're walking along the road to recovery and that enemy hits you, blindsides you with some old shame messages, maybe some guilt from some of those past mistakes, and you don't know what to do with that. Today, we're going to talk about that. Welcome to Hope in Recovery, a Fellowship Celebrate Recovery podcast. This is a podcast of life change, hope, uh, really designed to help us face uh, our hurts, hangups, and habits to deal with our mental, emotional, our spiritual, and even our relational health. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry based on the Beatitudes where Jesus helps us to face those hurts, hangups, and habits and broken relationships so that we can ultimately walk in freedom and find that, that healing that we long for in our heart. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the ministry leader with Rogers Fellowship Bible Celebrate Recovery. And uh, so good to be here with you today. Uh, thank you guys for the way you're giving such great encouragement and feedback on this podcast and you're sharing it. Uh, you're giving us a high rating and it's helping us to reach more people and Today's topic is is one that I'm in, uh, just excited to have a conversation with some brothers here, and uh, I want to invite them in. We've got um, Andy, who's the ministry leader at Fellowship Fable Celebrate Recovery, Josh, who's our ministry uh, leader for The Landing, which is our student version of Celebrate Recovery, and then David Atterbury, who is our uh, worship leader at Fellowship Fable Celebrate Recovery. So guys, welcome, and thanks for jumping on in this conversation with us. Thanks for having us, yeah, man. It's good to be here. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you guys introduce yourself and we'll jump into a conversation. Hey, y'all. Uh, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with anxiety and depression, sexual addiction. My name's Andy. Hey, Andy. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with lust, codependency, fear of the future, lots of other things. And my name's Josh. Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Uh, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with anger, codependency, and depression. My name is David. Hey, hey David. David. So just, we were talking about this. Uh, let me just start with this. David, how long have you been in recovery now? Uh, celebrate recovery specifically, uh, 12 years plus. 12 years. Josh, you've been here? Almost four, four in March. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And Andy? It'll be eight years in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, so we're pushing 30, 30 to 40 years of, of uh, experience here in Celebrate Recovery. And and it's interesting how we can kind of buy into this notion that, okay, I'm in it, I've worked the steps, I've worked the inventory process, and I'm good. And uh, though we were a lot healthier than we were day one, sometimes those shame message, messages can kick in and kind of kick us in the teeth, right? It just kind of blindsides us. And and kind of curious, how how's the, when we talk about that idea, that question of, I know in our Celebrate Recovery curriculum, it's a question that we talk about in the forgiveness lesson, but you know, what are those past um, mistakes uh, that still bring up shame and guilt in our life? Um, how does that look like in, you, in your lives as, as uh, you think about that question? Man, I flash back typically immediately to like high school, junior high, the simplest things of like... Um, like girlfriend relationships. I didn't have a bunch <laughs> uh, by any means, but it, you know, I look back and think, man, there's just things that oh, God, I wish I had not done or said, you know, misled, 
uh, girls in relationship and that even, you know, carried over into college. And it's like those, those can bring up regrets. Yeah. Uh, I have been involved with ministry for the bulk of my life. My dad was a, a pastor and then I got involved in, in student and youth ministry. And there's things I regret even just in that, man, boy, I was so prideful and ignorant as a young guy. <laughs> and there's things that, uh, I did in pride, uh, that I just wish I could go back and change, you mm-hmm. know, that, uh, yeah, just the impact that had, um, yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, there's a couple of things I can, I can go on a long yeah. time. <laughs> you got plenty of material. <laughs> yeah. Now. Yeah. What about you, Josh? Yeah. What are the things that I feel, I feel really, uh, hung up on and feel that shame about? No, I, I immediately go back to the same things I was sitting. Uh, it's funny. I go to those things and then I go back to the regrets, the very different kinds of high school regrets. I was sitting with a high schooler just a little bit ago mm. and we were talking about how few books we read in high school and that kind of thing. And so wishing I'd applied myself in some of those places, I remember mm. thinking that and just seeing him and wanting to control him and give him the opportunities I wish I'd done differently. Yeah. But yeah, in our community group, we asked the other day, um, what, it, what if there was a year you could go back and relive, which one would it would be? And I said 21, and the reason for that wasn't, I think, the typical reason people would think with that kind of thing, but it was this desire, the kind of regrets and just desires, how I'd live that differently, both in some of my relationships and some of the leadership positions there, um, how I would interact with people. I just, I I look back on that time, and when I have these interactions with people that are kind of in that position in life, younger guys, I just think you have this opportunity. I immediately, I can put myself where that person's at and just think, I wish I had done this differently. And just, I'm, I'm back there yeah. just immediately. Yeah. What about you, Andy? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, thinking through like my, you know, my last step study that I, that I went through is I, I thought through just, uh, some things that happened to me, like whenever I was in high school and just after high school, like, uh, certain things that I did, whether it was at parties with people, the way that, uh, I used to talk to certain people at certain times. Uh, and man, uh, you know, the one that really jumped to mind, uh, was whenever I was in college and there was a, there was a night that I was supposed to, uh, or a, a morning, a Sunday morning that I was supposed to, uh, play at, at, at church, the church I was plugged into. And the night before, I had, I'd actually gone deer hunting and shot a deer and like me and some friends, like, you know, processed the meat and, but we also partied that night Mm. and I wake up at 11 AM the next morning to text from an old mentor of mine who was the worship pastor at the church. (laughs) And, uh, and like, what's funny is that hit me like six months ago as I was processing that and like just immediately like, man, what an idiot I was. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of times where that'll pop up just something that I, some small interaction or some major interaction or just a poor mistake that I made or a way that I felt misunderstood or yeah. totally misunderstood somebody else. Yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, we think about the enemy. I mean, the scripture says that he seeks to kill, steal and destroy. Right. Yeah. And sometimes we combine to the notion that, it, you know, he kind of got the memo that we're in recovery. So, Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll move on. Right. And that's not how he works. Right. He's still going to pursue. He's still going to deceive. That's his mission statement. And Mm -hmm. so why, why would we, 
expect anything less, right? He's going to feed us with some lies. So we bump into new relationships, new circumstances, um, and he kind of hits us square between the eyes, right? He does. I mean, I'm reminded of how, you know, the Lord said that, that Satan himself is the accuser of the brethren, right? So yeah. it's like uh, I'm working my recovery; he's working accusations, you know. And uh, and uh, and and so That's a and then, bullet right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can use that. And then also just you know that idea that uh, the Lord also said that that basically when Satan's speaking, he's speaking his native tongue, and his native tongue is lies. Mm. And so he never stops, whether that's whether that's him or him working through, you know, his minions out there whispering in our ears, that's where I have to, that's kind of that point. I have to come back and remember the reference point of who am I dealing with? I'm yeah. dealing with a liar. And so I can either allow him to get me bogged down right here in this thought process, or I have to go back and re-anchor in the truths of God's word that I've learned in this process of recovery. It's my choice. Yeah, I, I got two roads I can go down. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting as you say that, like, I think for me, whenever the, the way that those lies are framed, it's always framed in, in my mind, it's the lie of Andy, you really haven't changed. Mm. And by the way, here's evidence of kind of the imposters and, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, whether it's me remembering a comment that I made to a girl at a party right mm. after college, or I remember right after I got uh, married, my wife and I were driving in the car actually to a CR event. And, uh, it, there was a memory of when I had visited a strip club in my sexual addiction mm. that popped up and, and it, what was funny, it was right around my sobriety date too. Wow. And it was a thought of, ah, you, you think you've changed Andy, but remember when you did this? Yeah. And it's, it's always, it feels like the enemy, anytime he brings up that shame, it's trying to reconfirm the, that I'm not who God says I am, mm. that I'm still that old person and I'm never going to change. Yeah. You're just kind of going through the motions and faking it. Yep. And yeah. What a, what a big fat lie in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if, yeah, Josh, how do we, you know, when those lies pop up, you know, the enemy can kind of try to pull us back into his sandbox, so to speak. Right. Yeah. How do, when he kind of taps you on the shoulder with those shame messages and, you know, you know, you haven't really changed, quit faking it. You're, you're an imposter, right? What do you do with that? What, what, what's that place like? And what do you do with that? I think it's really, I, I resonate with everything that's been said so far that I, in those moments when I feel that shame coming right back, it's really important to catch those lies as I hear them. Mm. And I think that's been the hardest thing for me to understand in recovery. We talk about hangups and that idea, the lies we believe about ourselves. And those things are super subtle. The examples we use at the landing are I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever had that exact train of thought that clearly, yeah. but it's always things that are operating in the back of my, of my mind and my heart. And I think those whispers and grace is such a hard thing to understand, but shame is just, I think it's the way of our world. Mm. I've done this wrong. I deserve this. And so almost like just revisiting that, um, that, that way of life pretty over and over again. So, but I'm not doing it 
I'm not actively doing it. I'm drifting back into that old place of shame and Mm -hmm. Satan's speaking those things into my heart and I'm hearing those things. So I think the first piece is just identifying what those lies that I'm believing about myself, about the world around me, about the people around me, what those things are. And what I'll find is that I'm believing the same things over and over and over again. And some of those shame messages are, are really subtle. I think like an issue like lust, one of the lies that can be really easy just under the surface that for some reason that person that I see out in, in public or online is some with the, someone that's going to offer me something that I can't get otherwise. Mm. But if I catch that lie and if I bring it out into the light, if I submit that to Christ, the scripture tells us to do, I'm really quick to realize that would destroy my life. That's not, a, not something that's going to bring joy. It's not something that's going to bring life. Yeah. I think with those shame messages, when I can identify what I'm actually thinking, if it's regret, if it's that godly sorrow, or if it's um, just revisiting pain from the past, then I can return to what I actually believe. And that's that Christ has offered forgiveness and healing. Have I made amends? Have I offered forgiveness in those areas? And then we can move into that healing place and those lies don't have power over us anymore. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's a good question that I ask myself in those spaces Um, and it's probably good for all of us to think about that is, you know, what am I believing? Um, what, what's happening right now and what am I believing about what's happening? That's such a good question to ask, not just what's happened. And yeah, we got to process the pain in that because it may feel familiar, a familiar place, but then what am I believing about what's happening? And is that accurate? You know, cause one of those action tendencies, uh, at least I've seen in my life, I'd love to hear from you guys um, when I'm feeling and, and experiencing those shame messages is anger. Right? Anger can kind of be, become my strategy to protect. It's like, I don't like what I'm feeling. So the people around me may experience kind of the, the bullets flying from my tongue or my, or even my silence, right? Shutting down. What's some of your action tendencies, guys, that that um, in that space, when you're hearing those shame messages, obviously we're learning new healthy ways to stop it, take it captive, make it obedient. But but sometimes we miss. Right. And and we we miss and we learn from the people closest to us. Hey, something's off. <laughs> what, what are your action tendencies in that space when you're believing those shame messages? I was just talking to somebody about it and escape. Every version of it is my first thing I'm running to escape. And a lot of times that's with that's with my phone. And it doesn't have to be something. Obviously, lust is one of those things, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be something that's not a bad thing, something like sports or um, TV or just um, scrolling through the news or whatever it might be. But what I find myself is just pulling away from the reality. That shame feels really painful. And so I just have to get away from yeah. it any way I can. Go that flight flight that fight freeze you know that yeah so you kind of just run i run emotionally yeah. what about you david you've been talking to my wife <laughs> uh, you know way too much about me man uh, yeah anger definitely comes into play for me because it's definitely frustration you know directed toward myself mm. you know it's kind of that uh Oh man, Satan. Yeah, you're right. So I need to beat myself up for a Mm. while, you know, and even draw others into that. You know, do you really know how bad I am? Do you really want me to work here on this staff with Celebrate Recovery? Mm. So there there's, yeah, there's, it's all ends of the spectrum. Isolation uh, for me is one, just, just pulling away. 
uh, from people. And really what I tend to do is I don't, I don't always necessarily escape into something like TV, even though I will do that. A lot of times I just <laughs> dangerously get alone and get really lost in my head yeah. and get disoriented, you or know, ruminate on those. Yeah. Thoughts. And yeah. so, so it's just lie ends up propagating lie at that point. The enemy doesn't have to do any work anymore. I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing overtime. Yeah. Uh, for That's a that. scary, lonely place. Yeah. Right? When we Absolutely. Kind of isolate. And, yeah. Yep. And there's, there's a part of that I'll talk about later, but that, that very much is my MO in, in that case. Yep. Yeah. I, w- I want to take a quick break, but uh, when we come back, I want to kind of continue that thought of what some of those action tendencies are and, and uh, how that can kind of get us in a stuck place. So when we come back, we'll continue with Andy and Josh and David. Great conversation of how we deal with those shame and guilt messages uh, from our past that creep in in the present. We'll be right back. Every year, we have something that's become a tradition around our Celebrate Recoveries at Rogers and Fayetteville, and it's called Nail It to the Cross. This really came out of our experience uh, that a number of us had years ago at one of the CR summits out in California. And it's just a simple practice, but a very deep and meaningful practice of taking those things maybe that have brought shame uh, and regret into our life and being able to, to privately write those on a piece of paper and then say, God, I'm giving this to you. I don't even know what that means for sure, except I've got to surrender it. And we do it through a simple practice of literally nailing those things to a wooden cross and giving them to the Lord. We start our year every year here at RCRs by nailing things to the cross. We hope you'll join us January 6th. It's a great way to start the new year and to begin to think about what are those areas that God wants me to confront and to find victory in in my recovery. We hope you'll join us January 6th for Nail It to the Cross. Welcome back. Uh, We're having a great conversation around shame and guilt. And um, David, you were just kind of hitting on some of those thoughts uh, that kind of pull us away. And uh, and it made me think kind of at the core, um, shame, shame says you're bad, right? And that's kind of a place where, you know, what do bad people get? Well, bad people need to be punished, right? And Andy, I'm kind of curious in that that place, those action tendencies, you know, have you seen that play out in those I'm bad messages? And and what 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 what, what might we see from Andy in that space? Yeah, well, funny enough, I think two or three nights ago, uh, you know, parenting is one of these things that's really stretching me right now. Uh, and, uh, there's a, there's a situation Harper and, and our son Hudson were, were playing in the living room and Harper actually had, uh, funny enough, it was actually her, her potty, her, her like training yeah. potty that for some reason that's become a, something that she wants to use as a toy. Uh, <laughs> but she was picking it up and moving it and she, she hit Hudson in the head with it mm. and he started crying. Julia picked up Hudson. I'm like, all right, okay, we're not going to use, we're not going to play with the potty anymore. And so I <laughs> grabbed it from her and she didn't, she didn't like that. And you know, she, she started having a tantrum. And so I picked her up and she was angry at me and just her being a toddler, like she was flailing her hands and she, she hit me in the face mm. and 
Julia kind of saw me shut down there and, and she grabbed Harper from me. And like in that moment, the lies that were running through my mind, you're a terrible father. Mm. You don't know how to, how to do this. You're not really helping Julia out. You're just making this situation worse. And like, I, I found myself, uh, immediately in that moment, detaching myself mm. and the thought of like, I just, I'm just going to make this worse. Like, uh, they're mad at me. Julia's frustrated at me. I'm angry at myself because I don't know how to do that. And I found myself just kind of standing in the bathroom by myself for a second there. Just, uh, you know, David, just as you were talking about, just ruminating on those thoughts and withdrawing. And, and I think the lie, one of the primary lies that comes up in those strong shame moments are you're, you're a burden and a failure. Mm. And you affect everyone around you in a negative way. So just get away from them because they're better off without you. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. So what do we do with that? I mean, we're in recovery. We've been working the principles. And, you know, again, expectations are really key to that, right? If we if we expect we're not going to be hit, that we're kind of setting ourselves up already. But yeah. what do we do with that? We know what, what other people will see. We know what we're experiencing in that space, what we will find ourselves doing in that space. How do we keep from spiraling into that pit again? What does that look like for you guys in that space? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say for me in that moment, uh, this past week, it was... So it was a couple minutes of being in that spot, but there was a moment, I feel like there's, you know, God, the more I've worked my recovery, there's a moment of clarity where I can pause and go, all right, I'm standing in the bathroom by myself for a reason. <laughs> Why am I here? Uh, what's going how on? I, how did I get here? How did I get here? And I think for me, it starts with that being curious with myself of why am I here? What's going on? And then uh, playing back the reason why I'm here with a, with a proper objective perspective, because my subjective point of view, uh, tends to be really geared towards my shame. And so if I can kind of look at it and try my best to kind of get outside of myself and get curious as if I was talking across the table to myself, like I was sponsoring myself and saying, Andy, so what happened? What, why are we in this right now? And bringing somebody else into that is always a really helpful thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and David, I want to hear from you how you get out of that stuck place. It's interesting how in our shame, we use shame as a tool to try to get out of the shame. And it just kind of adds layers, right? So we shame ourselves. You shouldn't. How long have you been in recovery? And you're th <laughs> you're thinking this. I mean, come on, man. You know what people would think if they knew you've been doing this this long and you still struggle with that lie, right? So it's interesting how the enemy kind of gives us a strategy that actually takes us deeper into that pit. But so we have to be aware of that that he's trying to give us a map that doesn't work. Um, but David, how do we get out of that in a in a an effective way so that we don't spiral? Well, for me, and Andy alluded to this, is I've got to reach out. I mean, you know, I, there's an element of I'm reaching out to the Lord inwardly, but I'm also running from the Lord, you know, because that shame makes me feel like there's no way. I, I just don't know how he would forgive me in this, mm -hmm. or he's just, 
ashamed of me being ashamed, you know? Yeah. And uh, I can remember back a couple of years ago, just really struggling with some shame from, from just an old uh, area of temptation and, um, and I could not get away from it. And there was just kind of this deep looming sense of dread and, and, and shame. I'm not going to call it guilt, but I think, um, I would at some time in my life would have called it conviction. You know, mm. what I'm feeling, that's gotta be the Holy spirit. That's that mm. feeling's just too heavy. And, um, but not, but that's not knowing for sure. And so I just reached out to my sponsor. He's older than me, wiser and, and, uh, sat down with him for coffee. And, and I just started, uh, just pouring out my heart to him. And it was amazing how just within five minutes that lifted, through confession, through mm-hmm. just sharing, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And just saying, I don't know that this is the Lord. And for him to look at me and go, I don't think that is. That doesn't sound like the Lord to me. That sounds <laughs> yeah. like the enemy, in essence, is pulling a scam on you. You know, yeah. And and that it was a learning process for me to realize that, man, you know, Satan does masquerade himself so well, even to the point of making me think, that uh, he might even be the spirit. And that's why I really need to be discerning and bring somebody else into it to get a second perspective. So uh, I don't fall prey to, uh, to another lie. Right. Such a great reminder. There's power in numbers, Mm -hmm. right? When we're in a vulnerable spot, it feels like we're drowning. We forget how to swim. Right. It's like, I know how to swim, but why, you know, I'm in a panic right now and I feel like I'm going to die having someone else come alongside us uh, can be a big thing. Josh, what's that look like? I don't know. You and I have talked about expectations, right? And how that can feed into those shame messages. What's that look like uh, for you in your life? Yeah, I think that one of the things for me I find is sometimes it, I, I mentioned earlier, it's really hard to identify what some of those lies are for me. I can just kind of feel something's wrong is yeah. I, I feel I still struggle to identify exactly what that is. And when I'm when I'm operating my best, I can stop and just recognize something's wrong here. And yeah. until I can figure out what that is, I have to start like figuring out what the what the truth is. I think back to what David was talking about, those shame messages he was receiving, trying to figure out, is this from God? A great mm-hmm. way to figure out if that thing's from God is what are we receiving there? And uh, one of verse I've been trying to uh, just sit in. I heard uh, Rodney shared it with me a year or two ago, and I couldn't believe it was in the Bible because I never heard it before. Second <laughs> uh, Corinthians seven ten says, "Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death." Mm. And that idea of the difference between godly sorrow—that thing that leads me, this is wrong. What I'm doing is wrong. Yeah. I need to run back to the Father. Leads to salvation. Um, and the wow. worldly sorrow is that shame coming from, from the, my past, those lies I used to believe, those things I used to do, who I used to be when I wasn't in Christ. And that is trying to bring me back to that place. And it wasn't shame that saved me, and it's not going to be shame that, that yeah. fixes me. Wow. Grace is yeah. just, I think it's the hardest thing in the world. I think that we think it's the easiest thing in the world because we think that here's, here, here's forgiveness, but to, to grapple with the idea that I can't rescue myself, that I can't save myself, that's a lifetime thing. And the beautiful thing is learning what that grace is and how to accept that and learn about that more. Mm. Uh, but for me, really practically in those moments, I, I have to cling to some of those truths. If, if I can't identify exactly what it is I'm feeling, I have to be able to identify something's wrong. That's the first thing. 
And I, sometimes I'm just happy with that. Like, okay, I know <laughs> yeah. something's wrong. And you mentioned reaching out to someone. I, I don't know what I'm feeling right yeah. now. Sometimes that's my wife. Just just numb. Like, yeah. Uh, but sometimes it's an accountability partner. Sometimes it's a sponsor. Uh, I remember calling my sponsor one time and I just said, I'm just mad. <laughs> and I, I don't, don't know why. I'm frustrated. I don't know why. Or I, um, we're just and grabbing time and just being able to just start that process. But um, so my, my default is to move to that escape instead. And then I just see deeper into that loneliness. And one of the things I found is it's, it's okay to feel those things, but, um, it's, it's not good to feel lonely by yourself. You hit on something I think is really, really strong and probably good to make it overt is the, you know, sometimes that godly sorrow is what we need to feel in that space because what we're feeling is probably because I'm supposed to be a perfect father right or i just made a mistake shame comes up oh, you're such a loser right and i think it's that godly sorrow i love the way you put that is is like is there something i'm believing right now because the expectation of myself right i'm looking at oh, i messed up that song i messed up this conversation i messed up that meeting whatever and am i looking at that as a failure or am i looking at that as feedback you know, it's like that, that didn't go so well. God, I need your help versus ah, you did it again. You messed up, man. And then we go back to those failure messages, right? When we first messed up and we heard a message from someone close to us that says, man, you're such a loser. I can't believe you're so screwed up, right? Mm. And how today's present message of failure connects back to those those other messages. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's coming to my mind as we're thinking about this is uh, in that self-talk, in that moment of shame, what is my tone of voice towards mm-hmm. myself? And I think that's a really key indicator of, is this, is this a lie that the enemy's trying to perpetuate in my life? Or does this sound more like the voice of Jesus yeah. to me in that space? Because I know I talk to myself worse than I would ever talk to anybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's true. And being able to, to ask the question like, all right, how would you, what would Jesus's voice sound like to me in this space? Yeah. That resonates with me because, um, you know, I can think back and, and see significant faces and hear significant voices in my life. Many who spoke with grace and encouragement didn't didn't pretend like my sin wasn't there, you know, but they were very inviting and made me want to follow Jesus more versus some other voices that their motivator was shame. Yeah. You know, to get me to do whatever they wanted me to do. And um, to Andy's point, it's it's just been refreshing for me and reading through, you know, a harmony of the gospels mm. of just reminding myself, how did Jesus respond in this situation? Yeah. D- does he resp- did he respond the way that uh that maybe i pictured i would i would think jesus would just really jump down this person's throat right now like the woman at the well i I ran across that recently and how i can read into that some inflection of his voice but it it had to be full of incredible grace because she left there saying come meet a man who told me everything i ever did yeah i mean the the full expose i mean she could have been (laughs) instead going man i met this guy and he called me out for every wrong thing I've ever done, and I just feel like a wretch. But instead, she had found life uh, through listening to him, even exposing her her life of sin. It it didn't 
result in shame and defeat. It ended up for her in yeah in a life change. Yeah. You know, so. It make and I know you have a dog, and David. And, you know, <laughs> we used to have a dog named Buddy. Um, and it's fascinating. If I came home late out Friday nights, come home late, it's dark. The house was pitch black. And when I first would walk in the door, he's like hair standing up, growling and barking, right? He doesn't know who this is. And but once he hears my voice, he's wagging his tail and he's coming at me, right? And it just made me think, you know, this is why feeding our mind, stimulating our brain with truth, um, you know, God's word is so important because we want to know his voice. Right. And so in those moments, I let the, the picture you painted got me thinking on that, David, that, that we we hear these lies, because if, if an intruder had said, back off, buddy, or whatever, sit down, buddy, <laughs> he would not have backed down. He would have mm-hmm. went after him. Right. Um, because he wouldn't have felt safe. And so just that calming presence, like, oh, I know this is my dad and I want to go be with dad right now buddy would just kind of come up and he's happy go lucky but but if it's an intruder and it's good to just think about that that image kind of popped in my head that this is an intruder and i want to i want to attack the uh, intruder right and and i need i need the holy spirit i need god on my side i need the body of christ to punch him in the mouth in this moment josh you look like you were going to say something no i was i was thinking of what you were sharing with that idea of um, no, I lost my train of thought. Right? Yeah, I was going to share something. It was great. Yeah, you I'm, it. if you're listening, just know we can read his mind, and it's really deep. Yeah. It's rich. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. Don't feel any shame for forgetting <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, it's feedback. That didn't go hey, so well, right? It's um, so, closing thought as we wrap up here: if someone's listening, they're from from the, you guys. Just um, somebody's listening, and they're hearing these shame messages that we kind of been poking at. And the intruder has just walked in. What do you say to them to give them encouragement so that they don't spiral down into that that place? You know, Rodney, I remembered what I was thinking. The I think one of the expectations, the lies I believe my, my, about myself is what I think that a growing follower of Jesus or a person growing in their recovery is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And I think the picture that I always think of is a person that can stand by themselves and not run back to their old things. Mm. And so one of the weirdest shame messages I'll get is I can't believe I'm reaching out to my accountability partner again. Must I can't believe weak. I can't believe I yeah. need to to confess or I can't believe I need to talk to somebody about yeah. this. But the reality is is the closer I'm to grow the more I'm growing, not the more independent I am, but the more dependent on others I am. And those shame messages, it's not that we don't keep receiving them, but we learn how to grow and not taking those in. So yeah, as the person struggling with shame, yeah, whether it's just not doing it by yourself yeah. and the Good. idea of growing and identifying who you're growing as is not a person that can do this more on their own, but someone that's more dependent on Christ and on healthy communities. Good. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's so key, Josh, making sure that you're not doing it alone. Hiding is never going to lead to the healing that we look for. And just thinking, in that place, in community, turn towards the character of God. And the verse that's been coming, two verses that have been coming in my mind in this whole conversation, Romans 8, 1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
There is no accusation that the enemy can throw our way that can stick Mm -hmm. because Christ has stood in our place. And so that person that I used to be is no longer who I am. It's actually been nailed to the cross with Jesus. And in that idea of those accusations flying my way, I think of Psalm 23 in verse 5 where it talks about, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, and I always envision myself in a banquet hall with yeah. every person that ever hated me throwing those things. And yeah. the Lord's just saying, now I got you. That's good. I love That's you. That's good. Well, we're out of time, guys, but great, great conversation. Thanks for uh, just your hearts, your insight, your vulnerability to to let us into some of those shame messages. And uh, thank you, Andy, Josh, and David, for being with us today. And uh, if you're listening today, just want to remind you that um, – you're not alone and you're not designed to face this alone. So if some of those shame messages are creeping in, uh, maybe you've been in recovery for a while or you're just thinking about getting started, uh, the best way to renounce those lies is to invite Christ and others into that so we can break down those shame messages and uh, really cling to his truth. And so if you'd like to join us on this journey we call recovery, we would always absolutely love to have you uh, join us in this. Uh, We're here every Friday night in Fayetteville at Fellowship Fayetteville, Celebrate Recovery and Fellowship Rogers, Celebrate Recovery. We'd love for you to join us every Friday night, 6 p.m. for a meal, 7 p.m. for the the general meeting. If you'd like more information, go to uh, fellowshipcr.org. And join us on this journey we call recovery. Thanks for joining us. Until then, God bless you.